This is a Pain Artistry production. We are two women in academia. Raising questions and breaking down perceptions. From a Black point of view. Welcome to the Black Case Podcast. It's your girl, Dr. Porcher. And it's your girl, Dr. Bertrand. And we back. Hey, and we back, and we back, and we back, and we back. Listen, this is not an endorsement for Chance the Rapper. He been on some other stuff lately, but I love that song. I love that song. Listen, that was a good one, but I thought I had a meat meal in my spirit. I wanted to say, hold up, wait a minute. Y'all thought I was going to say Girl, I know you love meat meal, so meat meal can have part of the space. Friend, what are we talking about today? Girl, we out here talking about defend black women. Honey, we coming out the gate. We ain't playing no games. We ain't playing no games. We coming out the gate. All right, but before we get started, friend, we always got to honor our OGs. Um, But welcome to season two before we get Get it poppin'. And shout out to all of the people who supported us in season yes. one. Y'all blew our minds. Like, but God also blew our mind. But y'all blew our minds. Thank y'all for supporting us. But we promised y'all that we was gonna give y'all season two. We told y'all we got whole jobs, you know. Whole jobs. So it took us a little minute, but we thank y'all for waiting. But we're gonna get into this defend black women. But y'all know we always start by honoring the OGs. So we're going to take y'all back to episode one of season one. Um, and we're going to bring back our the original OGs. And so I'm going to start with my Aunt Cheryl. I'm going to talk about how she taught me how to defend Black women again. So my aunt gave me the foundation. If you all listened to the first episode, uh, Sister Circles, then you already know about my Aunt Cheryl, my TT Cheryl. But this morning when I got up, I was thinking about how she was so intentional about spending time with every black woman and girl in our family. Mm. So you were not official official until my aunt Cheryl gave you a nickname, right? So we went by the nickname that she gave us. Like literally she nicknamed every single person in our family when she was alive. And you know, you know me, uh, Dr. B, I give everybody a nickname. It don't matter. Um, But you know that, I love you if you got a nickname. If you don't got a nickname for me, then um, you should uh, reevaluate our relationship. But <laughs> you got but folks in- probably like, do I got a nickname? <laughs> Shame. All right. So, um, but when I think about it, how intentional she was about naming each person, she always spent intimate time with you to let you know what your name was. Mm. And it also lets me know that she allowed all of us to show up differently, like on a spectrum. Like we didn't have to be the same. And when you were with her, she made you feel like you were the only person in the world. Like she made it so special. And so that that brings me back to the space of like honoring Black women for all of their complexities and their beauty and taking the time to name them as all of those things. And we're going to talk about that in a minute, but I just want to honor my OG, T.T. Aunt Cheryl. Oh, T.T. Aunt Cheryl. (laughs) Oh, well, okay. So you said we're going to take it back to the original OGs. You know, that means original, original gangster, right? So they like original, original, Mm -hmm. double OGs out here. Double OGs. Okay. We always making up stuff. Okay. But I am going to go back then, and I'm going to go ahead and put it down for Nana, okay? Oh, so we, Nana. Yeah, 
Yeah, so we're going to go ahead and do uh, Nana. I'm going to go ahead and honor her as an OG again. And the reason being, Nan- oh, let me give Nana a real name for people be out here trying to call my Nana Nana. Put some respect on Hazel share, Sumner. Sh- share Nana. Share. All right. All right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I am going to um, say that Nana has... She has three daughters, my two aunts and my mom, of course. And uh, I think that when it comes to supporting or to teaching about being a black woman, that's where the foundation was built for me. Um, I saw how she raised her daughters. I saw how I had two cousins, Marisol and Tracy, that at one point we all lived together. I saw how she always invested in black Mm. women. And I think that is the thing that's important, even in church and in the community, always wrapping her arms around, not literally, um, but in the sense of making sure that you have, whether it's resources, whether it's education, just the things you work in the tutoring program, doing Mm. for age. At one point, I remember my grandma when I was in, um, elementary school she was on the pta and i'm like yes, Nana. But like i'm just saying like in every season of my life i can see where she has invested in not only me but other black women and so i think that's where i learned how to do this work of investing in black women and to just believe who we are and that we are so amazing and so yes. i just wanted to shout out nana for um, the lessons that she's taught me, the love that she's shown, and not just uh, talking about it, but being about it. She about that action. She about that action. And I just want to take a moment before we move on to celebrate Nana in a way. I'm going to just put all of our business out there. But, you know, we get a lot of feedback from a lot of people on our podcast. But Dr. B and I wait for Nana's feedback. Like, and when I tell you her feedback is thorough, honey, thorough, okay? She sends us a text message like to reflect upon every episode or every live event that we do. But in that message, she also affirms us as Black women and what we're bringing to the world by being transparent on this podcast. And so, and she don't, Nana has never met me in person yet, but she's my Nana too, um, because that's what we do in the Black community for all the non-melanated folks that are uh, listening. We just, you know, we adopt people and they be caught become a part of our family but I look forward to her feedback one because she's an elder to us and she's been through a lot but the mere fact that she takes the time Mm -hmm. like she tells us hold on I gotta listen to it again and then I'm gonna have my (laughs) feedback um I appreciate that because we don't talk enough about those intergenerational relationships Mm. and why that wisdom is so important and so yeah we're excited and we thank y'all but Nana's feedback means a lot to us because she's lived a life as a black woman and so we look forward to that so nana you are the triple og okay triple og come on come through triple og all right so dr b you know we always got to put our business out there in the street so we're gonna talk about some experiences that we've had as black women where we've had to defend ourselves uh, or other people had to defend us and so dr b i'm gonna start with you and then i'm gonna come through with the one too Girl, let me tell you. <laughs> let, me, let me, Lord Jesus. All right. So there's nothing else, honestly, that I would rather be than a black woman. I love our melanin. I love our tenacity, our strength. Um, I love how we make things happen. That's and who, that's who we are. That's who we are. We know how to take a 15 cent and make a dollar. Okay. And with all of that, um, 
I think people forget that we still have feelings, Mm -hmm. that we still need encouragement, that we still need to be inspired. And I have been black all my life and I haven't lived in a bubble. I face things, but honestly, I feel like right now I am entering in a space where I realize that all those things that I love about being a black woman are now Mm -hmm. a threat to those mm. who are non-melanated, Ooh. you can feel you can feel I'm triggered today. <laughs> so. You 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 come you come you coming through like you ain't you ain't playing no games. Yeah. Gloves off. And so now I am in this space trying to work through how do I continue to shine as the golden melanin queen that God created me to be, yet process how non-melanated folks see me and still show up in spaces that I know I I earn to be in or that I belong in. And so um, this is something that I think that all black women probably have faced throughout creation. I'm going back into history and thinking about how, like when we were stolen and brought over here, how we had mm-hmm. to fight and how we had to always try to be something um, that others wanted us to be, but still trying to own ourselves. So right now today, I feel like this topic is so important for me because I'm in a place where I feel like I'm defending being a black woman. And mm. I, and I feel like I am really processing and making a decision on Am I going to change the way I show up or am I going to continue to be who I authentically am in a space that usually doesn't have black women? So I'm going to leave that right there. But I just want to shout out to black women. And y'all just need to know if you read through all of the Morse code I'm sharing that I'm triggered (laughs) (laughs) and I am really in a space of how can I show up as a black woman being my authentic self, even in a space where I feel like people are threatened by it. Period. And you know what? Before I share my story, I'm thinking about the Breakfast Club interview you sent to me with Amanda Seals. Mm. And that thing hit me real deep in my soul because you opened up with, you know, we're strong. We have tenacity. And don't forget that we're dope, right? But we make things happen. But one thing that she said that really sits with me is, I want to be soft too. Yes. So in the constant and consistent threats of Black women in our just mere presence, it doesn't really allow a lot of space for us to be soft too, because we're always defending just our mere presence. And so that's one thing I've been meditating on. Like, I believe in the both and thing. So you can get it, but I want to be soft too. But I want to have space to be soft all the time and not feel like I'm always defending just my mere presence of a black woman. So thank you for sharing that friend. You know, I'm going to go uh, real deep. I'm going to go back to something because this is what came up in my spirit that I thought I would share. Um, But I was on a search committee and on the search committee, we were looking for a professor and In the job description, it explicitly stated, we're looking for someone who has background in culturally responsive pedagogy. And honestly, in in most of these non-melanated spaces, the cold word for that is, I'm looking for someone who understands black and brown children, but we'll save that for another day. And so Mm. me, being a black woman, I'm coming with, oh, you just gave me space to put my CRP glasses on. I'm ready, right? And so the interview happens and we ask the question about, you know, just what is CRP? 
And the woman could not, and just to be fair, the woman was a non-melanated woman who was interviewing for the position and she could not define CRP. And so me extending my grace, because I'd be out here trying to give grace to folks, I mm. asked some follow-up questions to give her an opportunity to like, maybe she didn't answer that question correctly. So let me give her some more space and give her some more opportunities. You know? <laughs> Look at you being all graceful. Okay. You know? So I asked more questions. She still didn't get it. Um, so after that, we um, debriefed. You know, after her interview, we debriefed. And um, I was like, you know, one of the biggest pillars of this job description is that she has, you know, background in CRP. And one of the non-melanated um, people said to me, um, Keisha, I feel like you are you were way too aggressive for asking her more questions. Aggressive? About CRP. Mm -hmm. that was the word aggressive and I said but you know when you say the word aggressive to black women mm. that's an automatic shutdown because it we is. know that that's a stereotype of how we show up in the world right but if you know me I mean my name is Dr. Portrait but my first name is Keisha, <laughs> Don't do Keisha. And so, so I'm just like yeah I was aggressive I was and I was like Probably not in the way that you're explaining. I was like, but to know that this person that we're hiring is going to be in charge of preparing more non-melanated teachers that will be in front of black and brown children. Mm. Yes, I have to be the gatekeeper to make sure that they understand CRP. And shout out um, to Dr. Geneva Gay. But at that moment, I can tell that she wanted to shut me down. Like, yeah, we put this question on there, mm -hmm. but we don't really care about the feedback that people give. And I'm sorry she had me on the right day, but I'm like, no, that's the foundation. That's what this call talked about. And so that's what I'm going to ask for. Mm -hmm. And so someone shouldn't have to explain, you know, they're mattering. And then, you know, she, she said I was aggressive in front of the entire committee. And so... I knew that that was an opportunity for her to shut me down, but baby, you can't shut Keisha down. I'm going to come back. But it's just that when we hear that word, it automatically, you know, it strikes something in us because that is the way that people only see black women. Mm. And at that point, I'm like, yeah, you can get it today. Yes, I'm going to be aggressive because I know <laughs> what happens when we don't put the right people in front of black and brown children. And so I need you to at least understand the basics. But I'm going to just um, end it right there, friend. And I'm going to take us on into the history of why we why are we having this conversation right now? Because I'm telling you, when we get to these preaching points, it's going down. So why are we having this conversation right now, friend? Tell but can we talk about how you told, how you said, <laughs> you can get it today. Why today. we got to, this is what I'm talking about. Why we got to do all of this? Why you just don't accept me for the melanin queen that I am? Why you got to have And I really wasn't. Straight on y'all. And I ain't talking about 90210. <laughs> listen, and listen, I got, in that day, I got time. I got time today. So <laughs> listen, but it's like, there are so many instances that happen to black women like that. Just the moment where we decide to shine and be our ourselves, there's someone who will try to dim our light immediately. And they know how to use specific cold words that can shut us down. Yeah. So in our presence, won't be felt in the place. And I was just like, nah, you can't have that today. Not today, Satan. But listen, let's let's talk about this because Malcolm X actually talks about 
uh, black women. And I love this quote. If you follow my social media, I had posted this a couple of weeks ago. Um, Malcolm X said the most disrespected person in America is the black woman. Period. The most unprotected person in America is the black woman. Period. The most neglected person in America is the black woman. Period. He said this back in the 60s and it still reigns today. Like it still mm. is factual information today. And I'm reminded as we talk about history, how black women in slavery were raped and abused. Um, and it's funny because as I was doing this history report, cause we do fact check, we do references, we're researchers. Um, <laughs> I just want folks to know we're researchers. <laughs> so actually black women were raped by non-melanated folks up until the 1960s. And in most cases, there were no charges. So mm. you could just be raping us all over the place and there would be no charges. No court would really be interested in hearing about black women being raped. Black women have been labeled over-sexualized and Jezebels. Mm. And we have heard these descriptions and seen these images throughout history. We have been mammy. We have been mm. studied because our voluptuous bodies. We have been seen as those with high tolerance of pain. So we have been lab rats. Like, we can't even be stuck in the past because I, I really I get upset when I hear about all these things. So but I'm, even if you but even if you think about it today, like these are the same, you know, ways that we are portrayed today, even though these things, you know, were archetypes that started in the yep. past. I'm thinking about the work of Patricia Hill Collins, um, that we only had certain box to fit, boxes to fit in. But when we think about the ways in which we describe Black women, it comes up that way too. I'm going to pause you for a second real quick, friend, because um, Dr. David Kirkland at a NYU, um, a non-melanated guy, you know, um, the person who occupies the White House, um, made a statement saying that he's condemning or signing an executive order. I don't know the right words because he, he, he too much for me, but people can't, you can no longer do presentations or workshops in the government around um, critical race theory. Sure and so there was this black, um, beautiful black woman. Let me just articulate that. Who was very voluptuous. She was everything, honey. And a non-melanated guy posted a picture of this black, beautiful woman and her voluptuous body standing next to these, um, chart papers and he was like this is critical race theory like to be funny basically and it's and it literally described everything that you just said with an image but it was also a way just to go back to what I said earlier to shut her down and to shut black people down black women down from doing this work and so someone looking at it you know, people responded out negatively, like these are the people we're sending in to do this critical race theory work. But like they attacked that black woman's body. Not they didn't appreciate the intellect that she came with, but they attacked her body. So I just wanted to put that out there. That's a good point because that historically has been done to us. Like you look at everything else except our intelligence. And I'm reading um Mickey Kendall's book, Hood Feminism. Mm. amazing okay oh. but she does a phenomenal job we're going to flip the conversation a little bit she does a phenomenal job in her book talking about women black women and police violence and in mm. this book she mentions how black women this is a quote from her book black women um 
Black women are collateral deaths in police misconduct. And then Mm. I started to think about the work of um, Monique Morris in her documentary, Push Out, Criminalization of Black Girls in Schools. And she talks about the widespread murder, brutality, and sexual assault against Black women. And she says in her documentary, protests are often in the name of men and boys. And we forget that many girls, young women, trans women, and girls are disproportionately impacted by the same state-sanctioned violence that our men and boys are experiencing, end quote. And so now I'm opening up another can of worms because we were talking originally about just the history of how Black women were treated. And then you pull this example, even about this CRT conversation at the White House, which is so on point. But then let's talk about the violence that we experience as Black Mm -hmm. women. Because when you go back to that Malcolm X quote and when we are the most disrespected one thing that comes against that is state sanctioned violence attacks us but you don't really hear about it as much as you do sometimes these other key people and I'm not trying to do a men versus women situation but when I'm having this conversation I'm thinking about Rakia Boyd the young Mm. woman in Chicago who was standing next to a man He was holding the phone to his ear when the off-duty police officer thought the phone was a gun and opened fire and shot her in the head. Wow. I'm thinking about Sandra Bland out in Texas. Remember, she was driving from the the interview, was pulled over, arrested, and then got arrested, went to jail, and never left the jail again because she was dead. I'm thinking about Breonna Taylor, the Mm 26-year-old emergency medical technician, very, very nice profession, from Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I say this is because a lot of times they try to make it seem like we, we ain't doing something right. The woman was sleeping in her bed. On mm-hmm. March 13th this year, 2022, plainclothes officers, um, detectives entered her apartment while serving a no-knock search warrant. So when her boyfriend opened fire at them, they retaliated and she was shot eight times and died. There mm-hmm. are so many other um, names to mention, Charlena Siobhan Lyles, Corinne Gaines, Alexia Christian, Maya Hall. I'm not even going into the list of our transgender sisters who mm-hmm. have not made it out alive because of violence. And so I think that when we talk about Black women, we have to think about the history of Black women. We have to think about the experiences of Black women and how we do always stand in this place where even in your situation in the, in the search committee, we always feel like There's this defend black women. Like we have to defend Mm. who we are, but I don't want to depress folks. But listen, but listen, I got to add this piece in too, because, you know, I've been thinking about Breonna Taylor a lot. Yeah. I think about her every single day. I think about her, but lately I've added Breonna Taylor and Meg the Stallion. Yes. She, you know, thank goodness is still living with us today, but this woman who Mm -hmm. has already, you know, lost both of her parents Mm -hmm. every, almost every week is trying to defend her very humanity Mm -hmm. to say that another black man, because this don't just happen at the hands of non-melanated folks. This happens at the hands of our folks too. Talk about it. Shot her in her foot and people were asking her what she did wrong to get shot. And my thing is there is nothing that warrants anybody the right to hurt another person period i don't care what they do because you know what happens on the news is they try to go into their background Mm -hmm. and maybe there was i don't care what they did it does not give anyone the right to feel like they can harm someone and so when i think about you know i i I cannot stop thinking about meg the stallion and how 
most people are not just stepping up to see her and the people who are really at her side and this isn't about oppression olympics so putting men against women but it has been cardi it has been beyonce mm -hmm. it has been rihanna who are sending her things to let her know that she's seen and she's loved mm -hmm. because we have to step in the gap for people when no one else will defend black yes. women right and yes. so going through that list made me really think about that and I think about the interview that we did with David Johns and how he talked about most black transgender women don't even live to be 35 years old Period. who's protecting them who's defending them right and so we have to be open and honest and say that there is something that's happening around black women and we got to do better but you know what? Let's stop right there. Look, like you would say, let's put a quarter in the meter and park right park there. Right there. Right. Right. Here's something that I really want to talk about with this uh, Meg the Stallion thing is that notice she didn't want to say anything initially because mm -hmm. she didn't want allegedly Tory Lanez. Girl, we, we radio people now. We got to say allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> allegedly she didn't want him who shot her to um, call the police because she understands how it works in our community, the black community, when you call the police, this is putting him in harm's way. So even though pain was afflicted on me, even though something happened to me, I still felt like as a black woman, it was my obligation to protect a black man. I'm not trying mm. to call folks out, but I am. Black men, where y'all at? When y'all gonna protect us the way that we show up and protect you? But let me let me go forth for all the black men behaving. Black men, I love you, but I just- It is, listen, it's support. not- and I think it's just not the oppression Olympics. And I'm going to talk about this in the preaching points. We both need to show up for each other. And don't get it twisted. We did a whole podcast called Black Lives Matter, period, where we spent the whole time talking about supporting black men. Absolutely. So we've done both. We I love y'all. We love y'all, but we, you know, this is a family, this is family business. This is family conversation. And so um, we talking about it. But friend, keep going. Let, let me, let me, let me stop talking about the defend for a second. Let me highlight the beauty and intellect of black women, because I do want to say, this is why people probably feel threatened by us. They shouldn't, but they do because we are so amazing. We're dopeness. We are all of that. We and are we cute. And, and we be fine. Okay. <laughs> okay. But we are the ones that hold it all together. We the glue. Mm. Okay, mm -hmm. whether it was Toni Morrison or Shirley Chisholm, Fannie Lou Hamer, Angela Davis, Michelle Obama, Kamala Harris. Oh, Kamala. Okay, there's countless others. Dr. Keisha Portia. Okay. Come on, Dr. Bertrand, don't But regardless, <laughs> we are the ones that hold all of this together. We always have folks back, whether it is our brothers. Or whether it is somebody else. Shoot, we even out here having the back of non-melanated folks. And they still do us wrong most of the time. So, uh -huh. like, we are always stepping up. And and I do want to speak of which when I talk about those that are non-melanated. Because I want to bring it back to the purpose of the Black gays being part of, you know, education sources. Really, even in academia, mm. when I'm thinking about this, Black women be out here carrying 
all the way. Y'all want diversity and inclusion for your for your um your reports and stuff to say that your university doing it? We got it. Mm-hmm. You want professional development? We got it. Mm-hmm. We carry all the burdens, and oftentimes we are not even acknowledged or given credit for the work that we do. Mm-hmm. We bring everything to this table. We teach your courses and give because we when we do stuff, we do it well. We do yes. all these things. We get your students. I mean, and people talking about some. This is the best I ever had. You dang right, it's the best you ever had because I'm serving it, baby. But like mm-hmm. we do all these things and we don't get credit and we don't get acknowledgement let me hush because mm. i need you to talk about these preaching points what do the people need to do to get it right bring it to know, us we, we did just read y'all on this here day and so y'all know we always come with what we need to do better so mm-hmm. we talked about you know some of the challenges that we have and so we're gonna give you all some ideas of what we need to do differently to make sure that we're defending Black women, all black women. So the first point I want to give, and I got more than three, so so hold your mule. Hold your mule. The topic is important. Take your time. (laughs) Okay, so the first one that I want us to talk about is just name black girls and black women. Mm. And so when I think about uh, the work of Bettina Love, Dr. Bettina Love, Celie Ruiz, and Monique Moores, they intentionally elevate the lives and experiences of black women and girls. Like, intentionally and so call their names like using the hashtag say her name i'm thinking about dr butler who started that work we don't just say the name the names though of cisgender women we gotta call the names of transgender women too yes sign petitions include their names in our press conferences in our talks in our shows in our town halls and put pressure on folks that are involved in doing negative things to them whether it's killing them where it's whether it's hurting them that we arrest folks like we gotta put pressure on folks because we do those same things for black men and i love the way we have um galvanized to do work around george floyd but what about the black women and what i've seen over the last you know just throughout the pandemic is that we'll name all of the men and then here comes brianna taylor right that's a word at the end and i'm saying to us let's start with the women Mm -hmm. let's start with brianna taylor say her name initially not after someone has put in the chat like what about brianna taylor let's start with atiana jefferson let's start with her Mm. that way we know like these people in our community are important we're gonna name them first and the second thing let's encourage black girls and women encourage them let black girls and women know that they are valued outside of the white gays that's why we have this podcast here called the black gays shout out to tony morrison shout out to tony morrison but i'm thinking about like just you know recently we've become real intentional about reading many works that elevate black women yeah. you got Ida B. Wells you got Toni Morrison you got Fannie Lou Hamer shoot I, you got Ella Baker Septima Clark like you have so many Audre Lorde you have so many elders and ancestors who have provided the blueprint about how we elevate black women but then you got folks right now I'm gonna just name some people in the education space that's killing the game like how we how we listening to fools um I ain't gonna say their name I'm gonna say their name how we listen to people like Kanye West when we still got Angela Davis with us on this earth you better preach a word when we still got Bill Hooks come on, on the earth right so we have these blueprints that are telling us how we elevate black women and i'm gonna shout out some of our folks 
we got Dr. Celie Ruiz, um, Dr. Muhammad, Baker Bell, their boldness in valuing blackness has encouraged us to do the same. So in honor of, you know, saying her name, I want to take this time again to lift up Meg the Stallion. Like, boo, we see you. We value you. We are here to support you. And that's why we created the Black Gays Podcast, because we got to center, elevate and honor blackness. You know, no shade to anybody else's podcast or work. But what I found is that we are so focused on trying to get non-melanated folks to value us My God. when it's our job to value us first. And so I want us to think about elevating and encouraging black girls and let them know they can be whole in their bodies and they don't have to assimilate into this idea or this standard because it ain't no standard, no way of whiteness. The next thing. And jump in whenever Dang. you want to. Just listen, listen. You blowing my mind. But can we just back? Can we back that thing up? Uh, <laughs> no, but, <laughs> no. But this is something that you said that I really want to acknowledge. You said black girls need to know that they can be whole in their black bodies and do not have to assimilate to the standard of whiteness. Who is teaching them that? If we mm. don't know how to sit here, remember, we go back to the honoring the, the double OG and triple OG, right? So we mm. think are talking about these are black women in our lives who have paved this, the way for us and who have shown us. I really have a question for those who are listening. Black women, are you showing these black girls how to do this? Are you showing mm. them how to love themselves? Are you too involved in thinking about whiteness and your, like Dr. Shea would say, your proximity to it, that you're mm. not doing this work of helping black girls see that, listen, we are queens. We can't mm. sell our souls because we got people watching us. That's all I got to say. Mm. That's, that, that's good work. And then, I, listen... This is the big one. Listen to black girls and women. Listen to them. When they express themselves, give them space to feel all of their emotions without being stereotyped. So yes, they can be angry because guess what? They got access to that emotion. Mm -hmm. Yes, they can be excited because they have access to that emotion. And I love Dr. Yolanda Seeley Ruiz's work. And you know, this is our favorite poem that she wrote, I Want. Ooh. But she boldly asks for what she wants and needs, right? And furthermore, Love argues that if you ever want to get anything done, ask a black woman and listen to us but i think the big part is provide space for black girls and women to ask for what they want and what they need and when they tell you listen to them also provide the opportunity for them to show up on the spectrum we are not a monolith mm -hmm. so some of us are gonna give it to you straight no chaser mm -hmm. and some of us are gonna be you know meek and mild there's enough space for all of us to show up because what i've noticed about non-melanated folks is they only want to be in relationship with the black women who don't push them or don't call them out on their stuff no Talk those are it. the people that you need not the one the people who are just yesing you because i'm sorry there's a lot of us that have um internalized internalized anti-blackness and so if you got a black person in your life that ain't calling you out on your stuff honey that's not the person we all have work to do but you have to give us space to show up on the spectrum Girl, you friend, come on, come on. I'm just listening because you bringing it today. Give, give me some more. Give me some Listen, more. girl, I got two more, then I'm going to be out. Okay, so learn from black girls and women. Mm -hmm. Like, learn from us. Incorporate experiences of black girls and women in curriculum in your conversations. Mm. Center us. Allow black women, students to interrogate knowledge and take action based on whatever you're having a conversation on based on your curriculum there are black women who create content for us 
Mm-hmm. That gives us the opportunity to see our black excellence and who we are. Incorporate that into your spaces. Don't allow just the stereotypes. We are complex. Don't allow the stereotypes to permeate everything that we do. It amazes me that when we go to describe black people, we always start with the deficits. No, baby. As Dr. Goldie Muhammad says, start with our genius. Yes. Learn from us. Learn from us. And so I wanted to do uh, talk about that. But the last thing I want to talk about, shout out to Kamala Harris, but let black girls and women lead. Let us lead. Please. Um, when I think about um, Dr. Celie Ruiz work, and I'm just bringing this up because this is like a piece that I'm working on, but she is leading the way right now in teacher education by publishing a book of poems focused on black radical self-love. Mm-hmm. And if you are in academia, all they want you to do is write about articles, right? And so we have thought, okay, I'm going to assimilate in order for me to get tenure. I mean, I'm going I'm to tell the truth, shame the devil. Tell the truth. But there are so many things about us culturally that should also be incorporated in this space, right? And it's up to us to lead the way. She's leading the way to say, no, I'm going to talk about Black radical self-love, not just about all of the things that Black people have struggled with. So allow Black girls and women to lead outside of the standard norm of whiteness. Because it ain't no standard anyway. And the last one is... Not it ain't no standard anyway. <laughs> it ain't no standard anyway. And and cite them when they provide the practice for the work. Stop stealing our stuff. Like if we're leading and you know you didn't say that thing, but you showing up in your presentation talking like it's yours, or you done wrote a whole article off of a paper of a, of a black student in your class, you wrong. You need to cite black women for the work that they're leading on and that's all i got friend but let me give them the points because you know i'm a teacher let me name is just in case you forgot the first one is name black girls say their names encourage black girls and women listen to black girls and women learn from black girls and women and let black girls and women lead i love that i i i love that like i am I am just, I'm floored because I feel like you are, you hit on so many points and what you just provided for folks is what I call the black print. You the just, black print. The black print. That's a black gaze term that we using now to develop what it is that we developed. And you have just provided the black print for how to defend black women. How do mm. we sit here and defend black women, but also set the standard for black girls. And so mm. I appreciate these preaching points. Like you did that friend. You did that. Now, listen, we can't stop there. Cause you know what the people want. They I want our next they want. seg. They want our next segment, which is what? What you reading though? So, Dr. B, I didn't already talk my head off. So, what are you reading right now at this current time? Yeah, child, you preach. You need to go get you some water. I need somebody some water. need to get, get the pastor some water. <laughs> some Gatorade or something. Get the get the pastor some drink. I'm hot. Everything. I'm hot. I'm, <laughs> Let I'm me stay hot right now. Go ahead. Because I mean, that girl done preached the whole word. But for real, for real. Um, I am reading, and I mentioned uh, the work of Mickey Kendall earlier, but Hood Feminism, it mm. honestly is, this right here is going to be a classic. Like, I like the book so much, I done went to the Daily Show and watched her interview with Trevor Noah, because mm. one of the things that she does is she talks about um, how non-melanated folks, you know, talk about feminism, but it's like she talks about how they leave us out 
of those conversations. Mm. So when we, she goes through like different things, like she shares her story with domestic violence and she talks mm. about the statistics regarding that. She just goes into so much, like the book is impactful. And okay. um, she gives history or statistics, but it's mixed in with her story. And so it just makes it a good read. So anybody who is um, really wanting to go deeper in this um, conversation around Black women and how we show up in spaces, I definitely would ask that you all tap into Hood Feminism by Mickey Kendall. Listen, I got it sitting right here on my desk, and I will definitely add that to my list. I'm not reading something around Black women and Black girls specifically, but I'm reading this book right now called Other People's English, Code Meshing, Code Switching, and African-American Literacy. And and it's by um, Young Barrett, Young Rivera, and Lovejoy. And when I tell you it is blowing my mind because it is speaking to me, it's almost like a great uh, counterpart to Dr. Baker Bell's book, Linguistic Justice. Mm. And so I'm teaching a grammar class now and I'm and I'm trying to be intentional about censoring the voices of black women and black men in this um, mm-hmm. class because most grammar classes only um, center non-melanated folks. So mm-hmm. I'm reading this book to incorporate it into my class. Well, Fran, we are up at our last segment, but it's one of our favorites. I think we love all of our segments. I do. Our whole show is bomb. (laughs) Our whole show is bomb. But this one is I I See see You. you. So, Fran, who do you see right now? Let me tell you. you. Who do you want to celebrate? What what woman out there is doing a great job at defending and elevating all Black women? Who do you have? You know what? This honestly was a hard choice because I'm going to stick season two. I am committed to sticking to the regulations that we have set forth. So I got one person. <laughs> so <laughs> that was so shady and throw. But anyway, you get you a blanket. But anyway, listen, I, <laughs> I just want to say I see you to Keisha Stokes. And the reason why I'm going to go with Takesha Stokes, this is um, a dear friend of mine. You met Takesha. Yes. Yes. This is a dear friend of mine. And when I talk about somebody who I have seen, first of all, she has a heart of an angel. I ain't lying. Cause sometimes I'll be like, girl, you gonna let you gonna do what? You because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm always I can go zero to a hundred real quick. But she I is know. just so mm, I, I don't need a co-signer. I said what I said. So anyway, but she is um she has this way of uplifting black women. Like she lives that. Like her, mm. it's like at one point I was like, dang, she actually goes and finds black women to mentor, like whatever. Mm. And it's not just mentoring in the sense of like just having a conversation with someone like it's what do you need? Let me mm. show you how to do this, like walking people through, whether it's job related, whether it's through how to, you know, fill out college scholarships Whatever it is, she has this part of her that is um, just this mentoring spirit. And I think that's a lot of times how we start this process of helping, going back to that point I made earlier, helping um, Black girls see who they need to become. Like she shows you how to do that. And then the second part of that is she's just a great friend. 
just a great mm. person to talk to, um, never judgmental, always striving to do the work. And um, she's a Delta woman. So I think that comes with that being a part of that organization is that she has a heart of service. She serves mm. the community. Um, she, you know, just make sure that you have what you need. And so when it comes to defending black women, I think that she represents all of that because she lives it on a daily basis. So shout out to, to Keisha Stokes. To Keisha Stokes, girl, we see you. I see you. We see you. Honey, God sees you. <laughs> so I have one person and it's Dr. Akusa. And she is the founder of Sisters in Education Retreat Oh, wow. And she curates a space for elders and women in education to celebrate, reflect, and just be. And I had the absolute honor of attending her first retreat. And we were supposed to have another one, but due to COVID, it's virtual. And I remember how intentional she was about curating every single experience that we mm. had. So there were elders in education there. So we had um, Dr. Latin Billings. We had um, Dr. Lisa Delpit, Dr. Joyce King. And then she had a lot, Dr. Um, uh, Dorinda Carter Andrews is there also too. But then she had black women who are just building their careers and still trying to learn who they are. But we didn't even spend a lot of time talking about educational things. We talked about just being black women and celebrating wow. the experience. I remember we would start at like eight in the morning. We wouldn't end to like 11 p.m. because there was so much for us to unpack. Mm -hmm. and, but they made sure that they that we knew that we were loved and we were celebrated, but also that we were not alone. I mean, they I were so that. intentional about where we stayed, the food that we consumed. I mean, it was such an amazing experience. And Dr. Akusa, she just defended her dissertation this summer, so she's now a doctor. And I just want to say, Dr. Akusa, thank you, and I see you. Thank you for inviting me into this space. I learned so much and grew so much. I was at a very, very difficult crossroad in my life, and being in that space just pushed me into the next dimension of what God has for me. So Dr. Akusa girl, I see you. We see you, Dr. Akusa. And you know what? I'm so sad because I really wanted to sign up to go to this retreat because you talk so much about it. But that's okay. They're going to see me when COVID is over, but not right girl, now. Girl, it's right now. <laughs> You know, Listen. go outside. I know you know. Well, y'all, we know y'all want to stay with us all day. And y'all know we got real jobs, so we can't stay here all day. We sure can't. Um, but it's been a minute, so let us remind you, follow us on all of our social media sites. Follow us on Black on IG and YouTube at Black Gays Podcast. And we're on Twitter, Dr. B. At Black Gays Pod on Twitter and also at Black Gays Podcast on Facebook. Honey, we moving up in the world. It's your girl, Dr. Porcher. And it's your girl, Dr. Bertrand. And we out. This is a Pain Artistry production. <laughs>